Before our brother Rajiv speaks, he asked me to read some scripture. So if you turn in your Bibles, or you'll see it on the screen, we'll start at 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 30. First book of Kings, chapter 16 and verse 30, and we'll read through verse 8 of chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 30. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as through, though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeremiah the son of Nebat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segob. He set up his gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. May God bless the reading of his word, and our dear brother Rajiv will now bring us the message. Very good morning to each and every one of you. And I'd like to speak to you this morning about the very first time that we see Elijah uh, entering the Bible. And uh, here in this uh, scene, uh, I will be speaking to you particularly from the verses 1 Kings 17, verses 1 to 8. Now, <clears throat> in the Northern Kingdom, uh, of Israel in those days, the rot had set in very early when uh, Jeroboam, he installed the golden calves at Dan. And then from then onwards, it was a downward spiral into uh, a very terrible situation in their history. They were rebellious against God. There was idolatry in the land. And then it reached an all-time law, as we saw in the days of King Ahab. And he made sure 
that they worshipped Baal. Um, he married an ungodly heathen princess called Jezebel, and she um, incited him to endless acts uh, against God. And it was at that very point that Elijah entered the scene. And um, uh, Elijah came onto the scene, and we will now see, um, uh, learn some lessons from these first eight verses. We know very little about the background of Elijah, except what is written for us in 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. And it says there that he was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, his forebearers, that is the inhabitants of Gilead, were people who settled on the eastern side of Jordan. For materialistic reasons, they didn't go and take full possession of the land and move into the middle. Rather, they stayed on the eastern side of Jordan. And from that unpromising background, we see that Elijah emerged and he became a dramatic uh, power for God. One day, in a low point in his life, he said, I am not better than my fathers. Uh, you see that in 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. But, you know, it was not true. He was a man that was used greatly by God. His commitment to our God was great. And um, there is a very special lesson here. The very first lesson that we can see from this portion is that even though he was reared from people who weren't fully committed to God, that is, they didn't occupy the center of the land, they stayed on the fringes, uh, even though he was reared among people who were shallow and half-hearted, it did not disqualify him from being someone special for God. You see, uh, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you come from a home where they are against God. It doesn't matter if you come from a family that is poor. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you set your heart on serving God, he can use you greatly, like he used Elijah, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. And Elijah's parents were probably God-fearing people because they gave him the name Elijah. And Elijah means, my God is Jehovah. So remember the early verses that we read? The people were all worshipping Baal in those days. And so for someone to have the name Elijah, which means my God is Jehovah, means that in that heartland of Baal worship, his parents didn't mind people knowing that here was someone who was named after the God of Israel. And so uh, uh, let us also be equally open in our commitment to God. Just like Elijah's parents were open in their commitment to their God, they named him after the God of Israel, especially when everybody was worshiping Baal, uh, let us also be equally open in our commitment to Christ 
because we are living in this adulterous and sinful generation. Now I want to look at uh, verse one uh, very carefully. <clears throat> Presumably this is uh, his first message to Ahab and it is delivered in the king's palace or in the king's uh, court. And there is lots of instruction for us right here in verse one. Firstly, I want you to notice that he says, as the Lord God of Israel. Now, in the last verses of chapter 16, we see that they were all following Baal. Uh, and what does this tell us? It tells us that despite the rebellion of the people in that time, God was still regarded as the God of Israel. All the people had rejected him. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping Baal. But yet God regarded himself as the God of Israel. You see, in Hosea's time, God said, my people are bent on backsliding from me. How shall I give thee up? You see, he still acknowledged them despite uh, his, uh, he still acknowledged his uh, connection with them despite their sinful and backsliding state. And so what this teaches me is that even if we backslide, even if we sin, even if we go away from God, which we all do at some point or another, he is still the God of our life. We can never be separated from him. And so when Elijah here was approaching Ahab, he said, as the Lord God of Israel, those were his words. It doesn't matter, my brother, my sister, what state you are in this morning. You may be walking closely with God. You may be in a black sitting condition. But let me tell you this, that once you have committed your life to our God, you cannot be separated from him. The Lord God of Israel is your Lord God, and he will not let you go. And then I want you to notice the next thing in this verse, that um, uh, we notice there that it says the Lord God of Israel lives. I want you to notice that we worship a living God this morning. You see, in contrast to Baal and every false deity, he is the living and true God. In that very generation, God had given evidence that he was alive. In the last verse of chapter 16, we notice that uh, Heel's two sons died during the rebuilding program. Why did they die? because they had disobeyed God. Where had they disobeyed God? Well, if you look at Joshua chapter six and verse 26, you will see the answer lies there. And you can read this later. So our God, who is the God of Israel, is still our God today. Um, despite our backsliding and our sinning, we can never sever a genuine relationship with God. God was still the God of Jonah, you remember, despite 
Jonah's disobedience. And God is still the father of the sinning saint. Um, it does not matter how much you sin, he is still your father. You can read that in 1 John 2, 1. But however, even if uh, we are sinners and he is our father, he still expects us to repent, to confess our sins, and to put matters right with him if we want to have a close relationship with him, if we want to be able to call him our father. And then I also want you to notice another thing from verse 1, that the prophet had awareness that he stood in the presence of God. It says there, before whom I stand. You remember Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, when he came down to Mary, he said uh, that he stood in the presence of God when he addressed her. And this man, Elijah, here he was on earth, but he was fully tuned in to the voice of God. He was close to God, and he was ready to do what God wanted for him. And so here's another lesson for us. Let us uh, desire that intimacy of fellowship with God and the um, attitude of availability that is conveyed in the concept of standing in the presence of God. And then um, I would like you to notice next that Elijah warns Ahab here in verse 1 that there will be no dew or rain uh, for a long time to come. And Elijah did not make this statement without prayer and speaking with God first. How do we know this? Well, in James 5.17, uh, you will see that uh, Elijah was a man uh, with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. You see, when Elijah went to speak with Ahab, he was in such close communion with God, because we can see that he was praying, we also see that he's a man who has evidently been reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and 17, tell us this. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So, two things here. Firstly, Elijah was in communion with God. He was praying to God. Second thing, he knew his scripture. He knew that God had promised this before, and so when he prayed to God, he was able to go and tell Ahab with conviction, this is what will happen, because he knew that God had promised this before. So, my brother, my sister, uh, Elijah knew his Bible, and he prayed that God will implement 
the promise or the threat that he had made before. This is the lesson that I want you to learn from this. Elijah took God at his word. Daniel had that same attitude to the word of God. His ninth chapter of Daniel tells us that when he was reading Jeremiah, he discovered that Judah's captivity would be for 70 years. And when the 70 years was up, Daniel believed God and he prayed accordingly. You see, we would be much happier people if like Elijah, like Daniel, we just took God at his word. Believe the promises that you read in the Bible. God has not written them there for no purpose at all. He has written them for our lives so that we can apply it for our lives, so that we can hold on to his promises. Believe every precious promise that you read in the Bible. Elijah believed it, and he was able to go and speak freely and openly with Ahab, and God kept his word. Remember what Paul said in Acts 27, verse 25? Paul said, I believe God, which tells me that he believed every promise that God gave in his word. And let us be brothers and sisters like that. Let us believe God. Doubts and unbelief, invariably it leads to anxiety in our hearts. Um, we see here that uh, Elijah believed it completely and he was able to go and openly speak to God. And then also I want you to notice that um, at God's word, Discipline will also be lifted in your life. Just like rain eventually came after three years and six months, if you believe God's word, if you do it as he says, the drought also will be over. It is so good to know that when we are in circumstances of uh, chastening or barrenness, that an end can be in sight if we create the conditions which allow God to be merciful. And uh, once the conditions were created, rain came back to that land. Now, next I would want you to notice in verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 17. It says there, Get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself. Do you see those words, hide thyself? You see... Um, Elijah had uh, created a situation where the entire nation would be angry with him. And so, what did God say? God told him, go and hide yourself. Now, there is a very important uh, lesson here. When the time came for Elijah to be used of God, God told Elijah, show yourself. And you see that in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, look at your Bibles. Uh, verse 1. Right there in the middle of 1 Kings 18, verse 1, do you see the words, show yourself or show thyself? You see that? And then if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 3, you have the hide thyself. So in every Christian's life, 
there is always a hide thyself before a show yourself. You see, God has a way of training his servants. He wants us to hide ourselves first before he will allow us to show ourselves. Why is this? You see, the order is very significant because God's servants require a time of hiding before the time of showing. Moses, you remember him? 40 years in the wilderness, he had to hide himself away and he was trained. You remember John the Baptist and now Paul and Elijah. All these people had to have their wilderness experience with God before they emerged into the limelight. And so Elijah just appearing on the scene and verse three, God says, hide yourself. Why? Because he had to go through training. He had to spend time with God. He had to learn about the mind of God. He had to learn how God wants to use him. And when God had molded him and made him ready, then in 1 Kings 18, 1, he said to him, show yourself. You see, even the way the Lord chose his disciples, there is instruction for us. If you look at Mark chapter 3, verse uh, 14, you will see that it says, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. So we have to spend time with him first. And then after that only, he sent them out to preach. So the same lesson applies to us here today. If you want to serve God, first get used to hiding yourself away, spending time with God, meditating, studying your word, studying the Bible, spending time in prayer. After you have hidden yourself and he's uh, coached you and he's taught you and you've built up a personal relationship with him, then he will use you greatly for his service. So the lesson is this, being with him is a prerequisite for active service. Without necessary preparation of fellowship with him, service will be immature, ineffective, fleshly, and futile. Then, the next lesson I want you to notice from this portion is this. It's the lesson of Elijah's dependence on God. You see, this was a real test of faith. It was a time where there was a drought in the land. And I want you to notice where God sends Elijah. And you notice that in verse 3. He sends him to the brook, but he does not send him to the river. He sent him to the brook, but he did not send him to the river. You see, thankfully, Elijah obeyed the voice of God. For Raymond, ravens, these birds, were commanded to feed Elijah there and there only. Notice the last word in verse 4. You see the word there? I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Nowhere else, if he had gone, would he have been fed. You see, um, 
to be blessed, this is the lesson, to be blessed, we must be in the location of divine choice. If you want blessing in your life, you may wonder, I'm doing all these things, I'm serving God here, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Why am I not being blessed? Why am I having to struggle? Are you really in the place where God wants you to be? Are you at the there? There is where I want you to be. Every, many times in scripture, God has said in Exodus, there I will meet thee, there I will commune with thee. Or uh, Matthew 28, 10 says, Galilee, there they shall see me. Only in particular places, he appears to his people. He works with his people and we have to be in tune with him to know exactly where he wants us to be. It's no point being like Naaman thinking, I know rivers that are better places uh, because certainly God wasn't going to be in his rivers. God was only going to be in Jordan, as you know. You remember uh, Jonah also, he had to be in the right place before God would uh, listen to what he had to say. And make sure, my brother, my sister, that you are where God would have you and when he would have you. And then I want you to notice the next lesson that we can learn from this portion is that God's channel of provision for Elijah was remarkable. He used ravens. Now, he has the whole of creation under his control. That is the God that we worship, my friend, this morning. And a great fish did his bidding uh, with Jonah and preserved Jonah. The strongest among the beast was docile and calm when Daniel was in the same den as him. And then here we see that ravens obey and feed Elijah. You see, our God is such that the beast of the field, the fowl of the yah, the fish in the sea, they all acknowledge his sovereign authority. He is the great God Sabaoth that we worship. And so God richly rewarded Elijah's obedience as we see in verse five, as he does obey, as he does reward every act of obedience from you. And you may ask, what do I need to do to obey him? Well, it's very simple. Everything that you need to do is written in here. If you follow and obey as he's instructed you to, you too will be blessed like Elijah was. And then I want you to notice that the ravens obeyed his voice and what God had uh, uh, asked them to do, they performed with unwavering regularity. We see that they brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. The, the diet was varied. The diet was not the same. Uh, he, he was not allowed to hoard food. They would bring him just enough for each day. You see why? Because ravens are not the type of birds that hoard or store food. 
We like to keep great amounts of food in our fridge or our larder at home. But ravens are not type, those type of birds. So Elijah had to depend daily on God because he did not know if they were going, the ravens were going to fly in the next day with more food for him. You see, look at Luke 12, 24. And this tells us that consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouses nor barns. Why? Because they don't keep any food. And so Elijah was daily dependent on God. That's how we need to be, my brothers and sisters. We need to daily, morning and evening. Daniel did it three times a day. How many times a day are we dependent on our God? Elijah lived a day at a time in dependence of God and there was no rainy day provision for him. His requirements came just and when he needed it. Let this be an encouragement for us all. You see the words there, it says, consider the ravens. This is what the Lord Jesus said. You see, God's hands feed them. Do you think that if he is a God who feeds the ravens, will he neglect you? He has long experience of feeding them. They are the first birds to be mentioned in the Bible, the raven. And they rank among the most unclean birds in scripture. And in this context, they are so well fed that these birds have enough leftover to fly in and bring it to Elijah. Obviously, they're not going to fly in and bring food to him if they weren't well fed themselves. So God was looking after these ravens bountifully. They had extra resources to bring to this hidden prophet. You see, you may be worried this morning. The threat of unemployment, it causes anxiety. Negative equity, that's a problem. A disappointing pension plan or 401k, that's alarming. All these problems, medical, financial, family, work problems. But you know, the God who feeds ravens, the God who fed Elijah by ravens, is the God who takes a practical interest in you, my brother, my sister. And if he's able to feed them, he will feed you too. Amen. You just need to be in the center of his will, obeying and doing what he wants you to do. And hold on to his promises that he's given to you and he will take care of you. And then I want you to notice the next lesson that I have for you. It's that in emergencies, God is not confined to a single course of action. And so you notice in verse seven, it says, after a while, after a while, you see this brook, would have been reducing in water every day because for three and a half years there was no rain. And so you can just imagine Elijah sitting there by the brook every day and he's noticing the water level going down. What are the thoughts that would have come to his mind? Um, shall I move along and see if there's a deeper spot with more water? Or 
should I just hop across over the hill there to Jordan where the river is flowing because this is a brook. A brook has much less water. And then eventually it dried out. In verse 7 it tells us, after a while, the brook dried up. So you know the natural human instinct, isn't it? You doubt, can God provide for me? Now there's no water for me to drink. I'll just move on. I'm sure God won't mind if I go over to Jordan and take care of myself. He knows I'm thirsty. But no, Elijah didn't do that. You see, God initiated a new strategy for his preservation and Elijah waited for God to preserve and protect him. He did not uh, think to himself, okay, I'm running out of water here. Shall I start digging a well or um, some new strategy for survival? No. What did he do? He waited until the word of the Lord came to him. You see, he had watched the brook reduced to a trickle, but he stayed at his post until the word of the Lord came unto him, sanctioning his departure. We see that many times in scripture. Let me give you an example. Mary and Joseph, they were people who were equally sensitive to divine leading. They were told to flee Egypt in Matthew 2.13, and it says in the verse, until I bring you word. That means you're not meant to use your own thoughts, your own strategies for your own preservation. God told him, flee to Egypt until I bring you word. God told Elijah, go and wait at the brook until you hear from me. And he waited. He waited. The brook went down. It dried up. Surely after he dries up, he could either dig a well or move over to Jordan. No, he didn't. He waited there until it was God's timing. And then God took care of him. These people, they all obeyed God implicitly. You see, we all wish to escape from adverse circumstances. We, uh, we want to move on. We feel that we have wings like a dove. But my brother, my sister, be like Elijah. Await God's perfect timing before you make any major move in your life. And so just to sum up these few um, thoughts this morning from Elijah, we notice first that he was a man from the inhabitants of Gilead who had moved to the east of Jordan for material reasons. So an unpromising background, from an unpromising background, he became a great servant of God. So don't worry about what your background is. If you have the will and desire, God can use you greatly. And then we remember also that as the Lord God of Israel, even though they were living in sin, even though they were backslidden, even though they were away from God, God called himself the God of Israel. And so it doesn't matter what stage you are in your life this morning, you could be backslidden, you could be far from God, God is still your God. 
and he wants you to come to him. And then remember also that the Lord God of Israel liveth. We worship a living God this morning, my brother, my sister. And then also I wish you to remember that we are standing in the presence of God. May you be people uh, who desire that intimacy of fellowship with God, that attitude of availability. People like uh, Gabriel, uh, who when he came down to Mary, he said, I stand in the presence of God. Elijah said, I stand in the presence of God. These were people who were in tune with God so that they could say, we are standing in the presence of God. May we be people who are in tune with God so that we could also say the same things in our lives. And remember, next, that Elijah took God at his word. In Deuteronomy, it promised that if you worshiped idols and went away from God, a drought will come. He believed God, so he went to Ahab and he told him there will be no rain. He prayed to God, asking that there be no rain for three and a half years. Why? He believed God's promise. And because he believed God at his word, God kept his promise. Be like Paul. Paul said, I believe God. And then my brother, my sister, I want you to remember this, that there is always a hide yourself before a show yourself. You have to be willing to hide yourself away with God. Learn, study, serve, and then only he will allow you to show yourself and you will be used greatly by God. Being with him is a prerequisite for active service. And then remember about Elijah's dependence with God. God sent him to a brook, not a river. Don't be worried when God leaves you with not a lot. Because if you have confidence in him, if you trust him, he will look after you. He used the ravens to feed. Birds that do not normally store or hoard food, he used those birds to feed him. And then remember, God said, consider the ravens. And I want you to do that this morning. Consider that God who feeds the ravens can also feed you in whatever circumstance you may be this morning. There may be pain in your heart. There may be sadness in your heart this morning. I don't know what the situation in each of your lives is. But consider this. If God can take care of the ravens, if God can take care of Elijah, he can take care of you this morning. And then finally, Elijah stayed by the brook until the word of God came to him. Always make sure that you are in the center of his will. If you're in the right place only, where God wants you to be, he can do things in your life. If you're always with, I think this is better, I want to go this way or that way, I want to follow this friend, or how can you expect him to work when you're doing things your way? Do things God's way. And you will see great blessing in your life. I trust these words have been of help to us. But before I close, I would also like to say I thank uh, Brother Adel and Sylvia because uh, 
they have during the last year sent me an extensive uh, collection of commentaries for which I'm very grateful and I'd like to thank him for, which has greatly helped me in my study of the Word of God. So thank you so much for your love and your kindness, sending it all the way to Sri Lanka. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for this few truths from these verses that are there for our learning. We thank thee, our Father, that uh, if we are people who put thee first, if we are people that hold on to thy promises, if we obey your word, that thou hast promised that thou would look after us. And our Father, this morning, we hold on to thy promises. We ask thee to take care of each and every person here this morning, whatever status or situation they may have in their life, according to thy will and desire, according to uh, how thou wants, our Father. We pray a blessing on each and every one here this morning, and we pray that we would be those who would be drawn closer to thee. We would be those who would obey thy word, we would be those who would stay at our post until thou speaks to us. We commit ourselves into thy hands, part us with thy blessing, take us all safely our homeward way. We ask this in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.